Welcome to the Insights at ACR 2020 series, brought to you by the Cytokine Signaling Forum, where authors reviewed their Congress posters and presentations on cytokine signaling and JAK inhibitors. My name is Professor Chris Edwards from the University Hospital Southampton in the UK. This edition focuses on bone and patient outcomes with RA and features presentations from Professors Ricky Olton, Vivica Strand and Zoltan Zakanech. Our first presentations from Professor Ricky Olton analyze the impact of filgotinib on various patient reported outcomes using data from Finch 1, 2 and 3. Hello colleagues and friends who are already very curious what is ahead at ACR this year. So today, uh, my name is Ricky Alton and I'm head of the Department of Internal Medicine and Rheumatology at the Schlosspark Clinic in Berlin. And I want to share with you today the data on filgotinib, which was studied extensively in the population with rheumatoid arthritis. And first of all, we want to look at the data for the worker productivity and activity impairment which were also studied throughout the whole phase three clinical trial program. First of all, I go to the abstract, which is covering the data for those patients who were non-responsive to metotrexate. Um, and these patients were studied in comparison either 100 milligram filgotinib or 200 milligram filgotinib and also of course as the comparator the TNF alpha adalimumab and the results concerning efficacy and also safety were very reassuring the study met the primary endpoint and both doses could show that they were effective treatments for people who were non-responsive for metotrexate. Coming to the patient demographics, we can see here on the slide that we have patients who have already a disease duration of more than 12 years. And the question here was whether also the worker productivity and the activity impairment in these patients measured by the VAPI has been improved by this treatment. As you know, the VAPI is measuring, um, of course, the limitations of the total work productivity and the presentism and also the absenteeism, but also, of course, <coughs> measuring the total activity impairment. And what we can see in this population is that very early on from the treatment, there was really a very good improvement in comparison to placebo for the activity impairment. So half of this population, uh, which were in the study were still in employment. And this is the most important part uh, of the study that they really improved in all categories, but the best they improved was in the activity part. So uh, this is reassuring. And um, as we have seen that the other data for filgotinib concerning 
um, efficacy and also safety were very good. These data are additional. So in the population, we are most likely to treat with small molecules like filgotinib, which we are going to have, for instance, in Europe very soon. So the next presentation will be addressing the more difficult population. That is the population who is non-responsive to already and experienced to biological therapies. And uh, they have really a reduced function. And they also have, of course, many more years of disease duration, high levels of pain, as we can see in this population. And here, the changes of the treatment, which we can see here concerning all domains of the WAPI, the total worker productivity impairment, the presentism and the absenteeism is much improved, as you can see here. But also here, the activity um, has been uh, very much improved by this treatment. So the next part will be covering another population that is also very interesting because that is the population who is methotrexate naive that is investigated in the Finch 3 study. Short disease duration, less than half a year, high pain levels, and also high impacted uh, by the disease already as can be measured by the HAC um, or also the domains of quality of life, especially the physical function. And of these younger population in general and higher employed population, you can see even more um, dramatic results concerning the treatment from a very early onset and over the whole study period of 52 weeks. And I'm very curious, the, all these patients go into a long-term extension, whether these good results could be shown on. And what was so important in this trial is that filgotinib worked really also as a monotherapy. And uh, for many patients who do not like to be on methotrexate, and we have uh, a lot of them also in our patient population, it would be really a good option to offer them a small molecule in monotherapy. And coming to the economic part of these um, three posters, we can see here that an early relief of pain and an early reduction of disease activity can have also a very high economic impact on the patients suffering from rheumatoid arthritis because if their activity is improved, if they are more active and more productive at work, then really the treatment costs are not as high as you can calculate only the price of the medication because the indirect costs of our patients are much higher normally than the direct costs. So I think these three posters have explained that in different disease stages, early 
normally after methotrexate, but also later stages, an effective treatment with a small molecule can reduce indirect costs and really gain a lot of productivity for these patients. Thank you very much for your attention. The next presentation is from Professor Vibeka Strand, who summarizes the radiographic outcomes in patients with RA receiving upadacitinib as monotherapy. I'm Vibeka Strand. I teach at Stanford as an adjunct clinical professor in the Division of Immunology and Rheumatology, and I also work as a consultant. And today I'm presenting 1341 radiographic outcomes in patients with rheumatoid arthritis receiving upadacitinib as monotherapy or in combination with methotrexate. And these are results at two years from the select compare and select early studies. And previously, Charles Peterfee had presented this, but I was elected to do the two-year data. So these include the radiographic outcomes from both of the trials I just mentioned out to two years. And essentially, we're looking at total SHARP scores and erosion and joint space narrowing subscores. Now in select early, upadacitinib was administered as monotherapy and in select compare, it was administered in combination with methotrexate and compared to adalimumab plus methotrexate. So in select early, both the 15 and 30 milligram doses resulted in significant inhibition of progression of structural damage at two years. And significantly more patients had no radiographic progression with both doses versus methotrexate, 89 and 91% at two years versus 76%. In select compare, inhibition of structural progression at two years was similar between those who received continuous upadacitinib plus methotrexate and those who received continuous adalimumab plus methotrexate. The percent with no radiographic progression at two years was 75% with adalimumab and 82% with upadacitinib. The trial included a blinded rescue from placebo to upadacitinib, upadacitinib to adalimumab, and adalimumab to upadacitinib for non-responders. When patients receiving placebo were switched to upadacitinib at week 26, the rate of radiographic progression flattened dramatically. When rescue patients were evaluated for further x-ray progression from the time of switch, basically more than 80% of them had zero change scores at two years. So basically what we can conclude from these data that upadacitinib, both in combination with methotrexate and as monotherapy, demonstrates significant inhibition of the progression of structural damage maintained through two years, and it is just as effective as adalimumab uh, plus methotrexate, which of course we've known about radiographic inhibition for a long time. Thank you. The final presentation is from Professor Zoltan Zekanec, who looks into the bone effects of one-year tofacitinib treatment in RA. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm Zoltan Sekanec, the uh, head of the rheumatology department in Debrecen, Hungary. And I'm the last author of uh, this paper, which is about the effect of tofacitinib on bone. And you all know that tofacitinib is a JAK inhibitor. And looking at the literature, there have been a few, very few papers on how 
JAK inhibition affects the bone. Those are mainly about arthritis models in animals. Uh, for instance, we know that TOFA uh, blocks rank ligand uh, in uh, the murine arthritis and also baricitinib does the same. But to our knowledge, there have been no clinical trials or no trials in humans uh, which uh, assessed uh, the effects of uh, TOFA on bone. We all know that when you look at the joint erosions in clinical trials, that actually TOFA is slowing down radiographic progression. That means already that they have effect on bone. And that is one MRI study also showing the same. So what we did was that we put together a cohort of 33-0 rheumatoid arthritis patients. And half of them, 15, uh, got uh, 5 milligrams BID of tofacitinib and half of them got 10 milligrams. We treated them for one year. And then uh, there were uh, four dropouts at the end. So we had uh, 26 patients at the end. And uh, we followed uh, DEXA, we followed peripheral QCT of the forearm, and we followed uh, bone uh, biomarkers, and we tried to find some correlations in between. And so what we found is that, uh, in general, TOFA was effective because the CRP and the DES28 went down. And when we looked at the lumbar spine DEXA, the femoral neck DEXA, and also the forearm, uh, total trabecular and cortical BMD uh, as determined by peripheral QCT, all of them remained unchanged during one year. Now we know from historical cohorts that if you don't treat patients, then they lose bone. So if you preserve bone, that means that you have a positive effect uh, of TOFA uh, on the bone. Then when we looked at the, the some of the bone biomarkers, osteocalcin, which is a uh, um, a bone formation uh, marker actually increased uh, uh, in both the uh, total and the five milligram population. And the CTX, uh, C-terminal uh, crosslink actually decreased. So bone formation was stimulated and bone uh, resorption was actually uh, decreased uh, by TOFA. Also osteoprotagenin showed a significant increase uh, in the population of both the five and 10 milligrams. And finally, uh, the patient had uh, vitamin D deficiency, and in most patients, uh, tofacitinib improved the vitamin D status, meaning that they had an elevation of vitamin D levels. And then the, we applied uh, uni and multivariate co correlation analysis to see what were the determinants uh, for the DEXA and the QCT uh, bone density. Uh, we had a lot of uh, interactions and correlations in the univariate analysis. So uh, I'm just uh, talking about the multivariate analysis. Uh, for instance, uh, the CTX crosslink at baseline uh, determined the DEXA of the lumbar spine after 12 months. So if you have a low CTX at baseline, then you will probably have a higher uh, BMD uh, at the end of the one year treatment. And we found similar correlation between osteocalcin at baseline and the femoral neck BMD, and also the um, osteocalcin and CTX at baseline and the femoral neck BMD after 12 months, and also the baseline rank ligand and CRP and uh, 12 month um, uh, QCT cortical BMD. So that means that baseline uh, uh, bone, bone turnover, either osteocalcin, CTX or rank ligand, and also CRP uh, can determine how uh, the bone density 
uh, uh, will change after one year of tofacitinib treatment. That's important for the clinical clinics because then you have to follow the patients both with biomarkers and also with BMD. And finally, we also performed an RM-ANOVA analysis to see that what are the uh, denominators of one-year changes in uh, BMD. And we found uh, basically uh, two of such uh, significant correlations that uh, the change of uh, lumbar spine DEXA BMD over one year was determined by the treatment together with either CCP or DICOF1 protein at baseline. That means that if you treat the patient, then together with the treatment, the baseline ACPA status of the patient, so seropositivity, and also the baseline uh, DICOF1 level uh, will be associated with a better response uh, of, the, of the lumbar spine uh, DEXA. And similarly, uh, the lower baseline age and lower baseline CRP, so inflammation, was associated with um, a higher cortical BMD after 12 months or the change of this cortical BMD during the 12 months, meaning that if you are younger or if you have left for inflammation, you will have a better response uh, to one um, uh, year of tofacitinib treatment. In conclusion, we think that this is the first uh, in vivo study when you treat RA patients with tofacitinib and you measure uh, bone uh, by uh, bone density measurements and also um, um, laboratory. We think that tofacitinib can preserve a bone and, uh, and, and uh, tone down bone loss. It's also important that TOFA has significant effects. In general, it may increase bone formation markers and decrease bone uh, uh, resorption markers. And finally, the correlation analysis revealed that the, there are correlations between baseline bone markers and uh, the, the BMD changes after one a uh, year of tofacitinib treatment. Therefore, we think that tofacitinib may have a significant, uh, very favorable effect on bone. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this edition of Insights at ACR 2020. Make sure to subscribe to the CSF podcast channel on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss out on our other ACR 2020 content, like our condensed daily highlights of the ACR Congress. If you found this informative, why not listen to our regular podcasts, which include author interviews and a monthly review of the latest cytokine signaling papers hosted by the CSF chairman, Professor Ian McInnes. You can also visit cytokinesignaling.com for access to a wide range of free educational resources, including monthly slide summaries of the latest papers and accredited CME courses.